Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hi, everyone. Before introducing the guest for this week's episode of the podcast, I would like to make a little announcement. On November 22nd at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, me and my friend Robin Young will be doing a live webinar about the secrets of travel portrait photographers. We will teach you how to take beautiful travel portraits in every situation. Uh, This is a completely free webinar. Uh, You only have to register in order to join and you can do so at my website at ucphoto.me slash travelportraits. Again, that's ucphoto.me slash travelportraits. The time is 2.30 p.m. Eastern or if you prefer, it's 11.30 a.m. Pacific or you can convert it to uh, wherever time zone you live in. As I said, the tendency is completely free. You just have to register. But we have a limit of 25 participants. So if you want to attend, you'd better sign up quickly because the available seats are filling up quite fast. We will be covering topics like choosing your subject and interacting with them, um, bridging the cultural divide, finding and exploiting the best light, when and how to use flash, posing, capturing gesture and tips about composition. Registered attendees will also get a little present from us that is a free copy of our newest ebook, Secrets of Travel Portrait Photographers. So I'm hoping to see you all on November 22nd, but if you can't make it, don't worry. The webinar will be recorded and the recording will be made available uh, a little later. So again, it's at ucphoto.me slash travelportraits. And now on to this week's episode. Enjoy! All right, this is episode 101 of the Traveling Image Makers podcast. Today, your host uh, is me, Ugo Che, as uh, Ralph is still uh, busy settling down in India for his upcoming tour of, uh, of India and Southeast Asia, so he won't be able to, to be with us today. Maybe he will uh, jump in at the last minute, but uh, um, if he doesn't, then it's uh, it's going to be just me, which is fine. He will be back uh, next week as usual. So we have uh, a great guest this week again, uh, Matt Bailey, who is a Canadian travel writer, photographer and travel hacker, uh, who has been traveling around the world for the last uh, six years. He writes for various websites and publications, including, including livelimitless.net, mustdocanada.com, canadianfreeflyers.com, and has been featured in Our Canada, Money Sense, the Toronto Stars, and others. Uh, he recently completed a project called Canada's Road to 150, which is a 150-day nationwide multimedia road trip celebrating Canada's 150th birthday by exploring the uniqueness of this country provincially and collectively, while answering the question, what makes Canada special? What Matt did was uh, drive through every province and territory, except for uh, Nunavut, as there are no roads there, I understand, showcasing Canada's natural beauty and regional attractions, 
while interviewing Canadians of all cultures and backgrounds, including local celebrities, immigrants, refugees, and everyday rural and urban Canadians. Matt's aim with the project was to dig deep into what makes Canada such an incredibly inspiring country while showing off the best of Canada's tourism to Canadians and to the world. So, Matt, welcome. And first of all, what makes Canada special? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Um, I think it's a variety of things. We're still trying to to kind of piece it together into a succinct paragraph or something like that. But we interviewed people coast to coast. We got all kinds of different answers ranging from the um, from nature, from the diversity of the landscapes and things like that. It's a pretty big country, so that's quite different from coast to coast to coast. There is three oceans. Uh, so on a on the landscape front, it's quite, quite varied. But then, of course, we're also a country of immigration. So we have people from, from all over the world. And I think it's that diversity makes it really interesting. And um, just just being able to have to be surrounded by different cultures and different foods and things like that. And uh, it seems like so far we're doing it all very um, peacefully. So in, in that way, it's inspiring as well. And uh, yeah, that's some of the things we heard. But yeah, it's, it's hard to put it into one. I was kind of hoping to develop almost like a, a mission statement out of it, but I haven't been able to yet. So before we delve more deeply into Canada's Road to 150, can you maybe uh, introduce yourself, uh, explain a bit, beside what we already uh, said in, in the introduction here, um, who is Matt Bailey? How did you start as a travel photographer and writer? Because you said you've been uh, traveling around the world for the last six years. So basically, what were you doing before those six years, okay. seven years ago? Like, <laughs> Yeah, so... I, I mean, it's funny. I didn't really take my first big trip until I was 24. So I'm, I'm 33 now. And uh, before that, I didn't travel almost at all. And then I had always had this. Um, I, I studied like marketing and business. So I was more going for the uh, the corporate route, I guess you can say. Um, but I had always had this feeling to go to, I don't know why, Australia. It was always in my mind. Australia and New Zealand and finally at 24 I had kept telling people I was going to go and I, I never did go and then I had read um, some books as well like the four-hour work week uh, like vagabonding by Rolf Potts and I think a combination of friends saying you always keep talking about it and the books um, helped inspire me to say okay no matter what I'm going to leave my job for six months and go to Australia and New Zealand and that was my only plan. It wasn't about traveling around the world. But when I got there, I ended up I ended up um, finding an adventurous side that I didn't know I had. And I started like bungee jumping and skydiving and abseiling and all this kind of stuff. And it just changed my life in a big way because suddenly I didn't know I had that adventurous spirit in me and all that kind of stuff. I always thought that. It just never dawned on me that I would be scuba diving and things like that. So when I came back, suddenly I, I wanted to travel more, of course. And that's kind of when the bug started. And then um, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh, is from Mexico. So we did the 
long distance thing for two years. And then when she moved to Canada, she wasn't allowed to work for about two years until she got her residence. So that inspired us again to, to, uh, to leave. So we went to Southeast Asia. I did my last semester of university in Malaysia as an exchange. And then we backpacked there for about a year. And after that, we, we both had the travel bug. And that's why we started traveling a lot. Uh, we'd come back. We, we'd work for half a year, then travel for half a year. And then I got more into writing at that time and started that way. And then suddenly I bought a better camera and got more interested in taking photos. And now after this road trip, we're uh, a little more interested in video too. So I think I'm picking up too many hobbies. Yeah, that's cool. Those two books that you mentioned, I mean, they I think they changed the life of many people. <laughs> yeah. I hear a lot of people saying, oh, after I read the, the four-hour work week and vagabonding, uh, then I got the travel bug and I discovered that uh, traveling is not as difficult or expensive as they make it sound to be sometimes. Yeah. It's pretty uh, amazing how, how, how one or two books can can really start almost like a... I'm, I'm also in contact with uh, Ralph Potts. We're trying to organize an interview, so hopefully soon he will be on one of our upcoming episodes. Yeah, uh, nice. If we can get him down in a, in, a, in a place for long enough to <laughs> to be interviewed. So, True. Uh, and after a while, you came up with the idea for this... Uh, uh, Road to 150 project. Can you describe the, the genesis of it? Uh, was it something that you or you and your wife came up with or it was uh, uh, commissioned by, by somebody else? How did it work? Yeah, no, it, it, actually it was, it was an idea that I had um, just last year, actually. I'm surprised it worked out as fast as it did because um, so I came up with the idea around Christmas of last year. And it was just kind of inspired by uh, we want. I've always wanted to do kind of a big project, something with video or a documentary. And I thought, well, everyone's uh, with Canada. It's the 150th birthday this year, so there was a lot of things going on. And I thought oh, it'd be cool to do something that's based around that. Um, and I always liked kind of the the marketing angles when you do when you tie it in with the with the year. So I thought, well, 150 year birthday maybe we do a 150 day road trip and that that's how it kind of uh, started and then also with what's happening kind of you know i've just noticed uh, a little bit of increasing division like in the u.s and some other countries and it didn't seem to be happening here so <clears throat> i wanted to find out like what makes what makes this country so different since we're both like countries of immigration and i was reading a lot of articles about Canada at the time so I just thought what it would be cool to do a documentary where we uh, interview people of all backgrounds from coast to coast to coast and um, see why they think Canada is special so that was kind of the initial idea uh, unfortunately we had missed all the grants <laughs> like we probably easily could have got a grant mm -hmm. from the, the government for this year but they had already expired by the time I came up with the idea so instead I thought well instead of just doing the documentary, we could do a travel series uh, on YouTube as well. And that way people see videos as we go. And I reached out to sponsors. So I thought, I thought for sure we need um, 
at least one big sponsor or a few sponsors to help fund the trip. And so I, I reached out to maybe 300 different uh, different companies wow. along the time, wow. all by email. And I just thought, well, I'll, I'll, you know, hotels, uh, car companies, any any kind of travel products. I wanted to try and stick to Canadian products, but I ended up not doing that because there's not um, enough really to to go with. There's no car companies, for example. Um, and then just just around March, actually, we heard back from Best Western, and they were interested in finding a Canadian project for the 150. So they they helped sponsor the trip, and we we started May 15th, so we only had a month and a half to start planning. Uh, that big of a trip and we needed a filmmaker because we at that time we didn't have uh, much like video skills and plus it's just it's not the same we wanted to make like a documentary out of it so uh, luckily we had met a guy the year before who who said he was into adventure and uh, filmmaking so we invited him along and like we paid him to come and uh, get it all on camera and then on top of that, we, we reached out every single activity we did almost, uh, as well as accommodation. Uh, we reached out and had them sponsor us as well. So when was the, the time that you said, OK, we're, we're really going to, to make it to, to do this thing because now we have a sponsor? How, how did you feel about that? Well, it was I mean, it was, it was really exciting because I, I almost had given up. It was kind of interesting, like because I had e emailed like a yeah pr close to between 200 and 300 for sure. Uh, some had expressed interest and we had talks on the phone, um, but most of them I either didn't hear back from or they said they had already um, had their funds committed like the year before. And then I was just about I was like, well, we'll do it for one more week and then we'll stop because we, even if someone says yes, we won't have time to to plan this big of a trip. And then uh, th that was when it was actually my wife who said, we should email Best Western because we see their hotels everywhere when we travel. Um, so we, we reached out to them and I, I ended up talking to the marketing team on the phone. And uh, and I kind of told them, like, uh, not to be rushed, but we, we need an answer relatively soon just because we uh, need to start planning the trip. And they, uh, they jumped on. And when we got the email, it was just, I remember... You know, it was like, uh, oh, I, I'm assuming I never won the lottery, but it felt a little bit like yeah. that because this was like a dream we we had had and uh, we had always wanted to do a documentary and a travel show. We always wanted to be travel hosts and to be able to do it for the 150 and do a road trip across Canada was was, was really exciting. And uh, and then we actually got to start planning well, the trip. What were some of the biggest obstacles you have to face in the preparation or during the, the trip itself? Um, for sure, like one 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 big obstacle was like it wasn't um, was the funding. Like they they helped us out a lot, but the the cost of the trip, especially since we were doing travel videos, we wanted to do activities every day and make it really exciting. So I think I mean if I added it up, it probably would have costed like two hundred thousand maybe for a trip like this because of all the hotels and we had a third person, so additional hotel room for him and the food and all the activities. Um, so it, instead of being able, if we had a lot of money, you could just pay for it all and, and save a lot of time. But we had to reach out to each individual company. Sometimes, you know, if it's a helicopter company, we, we might reach out to every single one of them in the area, hoping that 
that one's willing to help us. Um, so that that t- took a lot of time because on the road we're emailing every single night and hoping that they they get back to us and if they don't having a plan B and, and things like that because we really didn't have the budget for activities we just had it to for the vehicle and for gas and, and food and stuff like that um, another issue was we're in Alberta which is on the west we wanted to start on the east coast and we didn't really have the time to drive there to start so and we don't have a vehicle so we had to buy one and I didn't realize how tricky it was to buy like a a pre-owned vehicle in a different province in Canada. So that was a bit tricky. And then um, other than that, I would just say it's more just the, it gets very tiring after mm-hmm. a while, especially when you're, there's a lot of driving in Canada, a lot of hours on the road. And then because we had activities every single day, you know, almost from probably 8 a.m. Till, till night and then editing at night for 150 days straight and we didn't really have a day off. So in general, it just felt that uh, it was sometimes very tiring, but we uh, we kept it all together pretty good. A lot of work. And Wi-Fi is always an issue, <laughs> even in Canada. I, I thought it was actually not going to be as bad, but when you're working with video, it's uh, sometimes pretty hard to find like a good Wi-Fi connection. So you were uh, uh, shooting video during the day and then editing and uploading it to YouTube at night. Yeah, pretty much. We were doing kind of a combination because so he, um, the filmmaker was uh, shooting it and then he would often edit in the backseat as we drove because sometimes we had long drives of mm-hmm. 10 to 12 hours. And uh, and then I was taking care of like the, sometimes the social media, the writing, um, the photos. And then Carlo, my wife, was also dealing with all the companies and organizing the trip and finding our hotels and also doing some social media so yeah it was pretty much like we never you know we never had time to watch tv or watch a movie or anything like that Mm -hmm. so if you were to do the same thing again is there something you would do differently the second time let's say for Um, canada's 200th birthday (laughs) yeah i know we were debating that we'll be a lot older um like one of the things I wish I had done if I had more time was in this case for the for the the kind of trip it was with the multimedia function was have a, was either hire someone or find an intern who could help us with uh, the marketing and promotion of social media and things like that. I, I just found like trying to do it all ourselves, especially from the road was was pretty hard. And you know sometimes you might forget to post something or you post it at a weird time or you just don't have the time to really promote it effectively and it would have been it would have been great to have some help to help um, initiate when we get into a province to have people uh, maybe sending us their uh, recommendations for food and things like that and to have more of that interactivity um, we started to get that maybe well throughout the trip but more like after halfway when we had a bit of an audience but it would have been nice to have some some help, I think, from someone who wasn't on the road trip, who had like stable internet access and knew how to knew how to promote social media. What was your favorite province or location to film? Uh, that's always like that was a 
a hard one for us. I always. Yeah, I know. Then you really. I mean, yeah. I put you a bit, a little bit on the spot here because I know if you say Ontario, then the people maybe <laughs> Alberta will say no, it's ours. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, we had we kind of had like three. Well, there was always like two different questions. It was like our favorite activity, which is also hard, but we we pretty much always agree. We went um, snorkeling with beluga whales in uh, in Manitoba, in northern Manitoba, uh, in Churchill. So it's usually known for polar bears, uh, but they, they're there in October, November. And I didn't know that in July and August, they get the largest like whale migration in the world. And it's all beluga whales that come through the Hudson Bay. And uh, you can see them, of course, in the water, but they, they give you an opportunity to put on a dry suit and, and jump in the Hudson Bay. And uh, we had like 20 of them coming right close to us and um, singing to us. And that was like a really special experience. But in general, we all love Newfoundland. Um, it was our first stop, so I don't know if that had a part in it. And we were there in the spring when you had like icebergs and and things like that. And it's just got a very different feel <clears throat> to the rest of Canada, the, the whole East Coast, really. Um, and then, of course, like British Columbia was really special in terms of there's just so much um, so much to do there. They have the mountains, they have <clears throat> desert, they have the ocean, the Pacific Ocean. So there's just so many activities and it's so beautiful. They have the rainforest as well. So I think I think it's probably the most varied province. Um, but then of course we also went to the north and we, there's a, there's actually a new highway that's going to open up in the next month. It's the first highway in Canada that will hit the Arctic ocean. So it's going all the way, um, through the Yukon into the Northwest territories. And we actually got special permission to, to drive it earlier. So we got like a construction crew helped us get through the highway and uh, so we, we, we managed to drive all the way to the Arctic Ocean. So also that was really special because I've, I've never seen it before. I've never been up north before, especially that far north. And to be one of the first ones to ever drive the highway. So sometimes it's a combination. It's almost the extremes, the, the west coast, the east coast, and, and the north was our favorite, I think. Is the project, you consider it finished now or... Uh, there will be other stages. I mean, with, with all the materials that you have created, uh, aside from having it on YouTube and uh, and a website, uh, if you want just to uh, remind our audience of the, the website uh, address, that would be helpful. But we will put links in the blog post as well. But um, what what now? What's uh, what are the next steps for you and your wife and this project? Yeah, I think we still have. Um we're, we're actually going to, we're meeting with some people that I know who, who do a lot of video and film projects next week to, to um, talk about different options because we had, um, so part, part of the project, of course, is the little the web series. So they're all on mustdocanada.com or on our YouTube channel, which is also Must Do Canada. <clears throat> and so they're, they're still, we're actually still waiting for, for two episodes to get uploaded from British Columbia and Alberta. Those were our last two two provinces. So it's not actually, all the videos are not up yet, but they will be in the next month. Um, so that part is done. But uh, now we still, we, we really wanted to make uh, the documentary, like a, a feature length documentary that's about the, the journey itself, but, and something that answers the question, like what makes Canada special? Because we, we actually did interview a lot of people 
um, along the way. And we didn't really feature those in our videos because the videos were more about tourism, not like Canada in general. Um, so now the now we need to to write the script for the documentary, like to know what the storyline will be, um, to find some money because for this one we actually need more editors, like sound engineers and things like that, to really make it you know quality enough for a theater. And so I think we need to raise a lot of money to see that happen and um, a lot of editing work on that. But we've also got some emails from people that have said we should we should um, do a longer travel series like the web one, but for TV. I don't know if maybe for the travel channel or for something else. And so that's another option we're considering. So that's why we're doing I have some friends who've done that before. So we're going to meet up next week just to discuss which one has better if you can do both or if you should only pick one and things like that. So we're still um, in the stages of figuring out which which way to go. But we definitely want to do more because there is a lot. We have probably two or three hundred hours of footage and we've only submitted maybe 45 minutes worth of YouTube videos. And, uh, and then in, in addition to that, the whole point of starting the website a few years ago, the Must Do Canada website, was to be a kind of a one-stop shop for helping people to plan their trips in Canada and to learn about all the activities and to, you know, help build itineraries. And, and also there's a lot of tourism here that even Canadians don't know about. So it was supposed to be a website for that. These videos are kind of a an inspire, inspiration, inspirational videos for each province. But we'd like to now work with companies to get our database um, full of all the different activities adventures and activities that are available from coast to coast. Good. You seem very confident now, but was that always the case? I mean, there was ever a time where you looked uh, each other in the eyes and said, my God, what <laughs> did we get ourselves into? For sure, yeah. Actually, we, we yeah, just just last night, we had kind of had one of those, those breakdown moments. Yeah. I, I mean, not really a breakdown, but where you, you know, this it happens all the time, I, probably on a, a weekly basis where we, where we still sometimes struggle with, you know, the 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 balance between there's something nice about like a lot of people talk about you know quitting jobs and stuff like that, but there is something nice about having that income every month or every two weeks and things like that, and that's that's one of the challenges with with what we're doing is always trying to figure out the next step, and there's there's never anything guaranteed, so we definitely have have those not confident moments all the time. But um, in general, I think a lot of my confidence came from from travel as well, because I found, I found every time I tried something and then, you know, like a, even if it was just adventure, like bungee jumping, suddenly I felt like more invincible. And then someone would say, oh, you should come scuba diving. And instead of being maybe saying no, like I would have done, I always just said, well, like, what's the worst that can happen? So I do that. And I think by doing these little things and maybe um, starting a blog, reaching out to a, a magazine and writing an article and, you know, every every little success, I think, built up to the point where now I, I don't have any problem with like reaching out anymore. I might still be nervous or fearful of certain things, but I don't let that stop me anymore because I always feel like, you know, even a no is just like one step closer to another yes. I hope, uh, I mean, I, I wish you 
all the best for, uh, for the success of the project. And I hope our podcast will help you spread the word a little bit. Maybe Thank you. something will come out of it. So um, before we, we wrap this episode up, I would like maybe to talk a little bit more about, about you. There's a couple of things that I wanted to, uh, to ask you. And one is uh, uh, reading your bio, uh, you say you're a travel hacker. So what exactly is a travel <laughs> hacker? It's, it's basically, um, I know like the definition that I've always heard out there is that travel hacking is the art of democratizing free or low cost travel. But like for me, it's basically like working with uh, travel points, like travel miles or, or reward miles mm-hmm. um, and just figuring out how to maximize uh, both earning travel miles and, and redeeming them for the best value. So. The first step, of course, is, is, is earning them, and it's, it's definitely easier in Canada and the U.S. just because of, I think we have a more credit card-friendly society mm-hmm. here than in many places, so there's, especially in the U.S., but in Canada as well, there's, you know, American Express and Visa and MasterCard, and they all typically come with some bonus points. So there's been times where I've had, like, nine credit cards, in my wallet at a time just to, to, to get all the points. And I use credit cards for anything I, I can just to, to get the points from it. And then once you have the, have the points, of course, um, one of the key parts of travel hacking is learning how to get the best like value for them. Um, a lot of people that I know have points and never use them, and then they expire. They just maybe don't know how or don't trust them or something like that. Um, and then other people will use them for really the basic, you know, for a flight from here to a, another province or something. But when you get into, you can actually, um, one of the things I love about using travel points to book flights is that depending on where you're going, you can usually include a stopover, sometimes two stopovers. So I, I've done it where I've booked a trip to, um, to, uh, to Africa, for example, a couple of years ago. We went to Tanzania, and instead of just paying with points to go to Tanzania and back, we actually got one stopover in Ethiopia for a month and then went the other way and did a month stopover in Japan for a month before coming back home, and it was all for the same amount of points. So it's, it's like getting two extra trips for free. And it's just so it's, yeah, it's a combination of like learning or maybe setting your priority on earning points and then knowing how to redeem them. So as a travel hacker, do you have one, maybe one quick tip that you can give to, to our audience? I don't know on how to find the best uh, uh, prices for flights or for hotels or, or anything else that you can think of. Yeah. Well, in terms of, um, I'm probably not the best in finding the best price. I usually go to Skyscanner. It's, it usually scans all kinds of websites for you to, to get a good flight. But in terms of points, um, pretty much the the fastest way to earning points is through credit cards. So, you you, you know, for example, in Canada, um, Aeroplan, which is a part of Air Canada, is probably our biggest system up here just because Air Canada is Canadian. So I would find a credit card that earns points either with Air Canada or can transfer points over like with American Express and then finding one that gives you an initial like bonus. So some of them give you um, say 25,000 points if you spend $1,000 in the first three months. 
which you can usually do on groceries or gas. And that 25,000 points is already enough to go anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Um, so it's pretty, I mean, it's a good deal considering it's pretty much free. And then, of course, you just have to learn maybe another goal would, another step would be to know like where you want to go. So if, you know, if your goal is Mexico, find out how many points it takes and then just make it your priority to to keep spending on that that credit card to earn the points. And, and, and lastly, I would, I mean, you can definitely go on Google and things like that, but it's just finding out how to maximize the value of the points if you have the time. You know, it's just learning instead of, you, you might be able to do a stopover. So instead of just going to Mexico from Canada, maybe you could do a stopover in Los Angeles or New York or Costa Rica, and it would be the same amount of points. So it's just like, like maximizing the value. Do you have a website where you publish your tips, your hacks? Yeah, well, I have a, I have a Canadian um, CanadianFreeFlyers.com. Mm -hmm. So that's the one I started. I did it specifically for Canadians just because it's it's the market that I know. There's a lot of websites out there that do it for the U.S. Some for worldwide. I just find that there's not a lot of credit cards outside of the U.S. and Canada, so it's a lot harder. To, to rack up the miles quickly, but uh, I did it specifically for Canada because at, at the time there wasn't anyone really really doing it for up here. So with, with that website, I also have um, as a part of my Live Limitless site, it's mm -hmm. called zero to dream trip.com and that's where I I just have a course that people can can purchase and it has like videos where I teach them all about travel hacking and then they then and then they can just go on their own and find all the deals themselves. Cool. So that's CanadianFreeFlyers.com. I think I misread it when I was uh, introducing you because I don't have my reading glasses on. So maybe I said <laughs> Canadian Free Fivers and I, <laughs> I was wondering what the hell does that mean? <laughs> Canadian Free Flyers makes much more sense. <laughs> well, we'll put a link in, in the show notes so people don't... <laughs> At least if they've been listening until the end, and it always pays to listen to the end of a podcast and not drop out at the beginning, because that's, that's where the real, <laughs> the real meat comes. <laughs> just kidding. So, okay, just uh, again, can you, before closing, just uh, spell out again all the websites where can people find more about you or social media or anything else? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think I. I think I have too many websites now, yeah. but. <laughs> trying to so uh, there's livelimitless.net where I talk about uh, like world travel and it's kind of like personal development and that kind of stuff and then mustdocanada.com is just Canadian travel um, Canadian free flyers is the travel hacking and then as a part of live limitless there's zero to dream trip which you'll see if you go to live limitless anyways uh, which is also about travel hacking but Yeah, if you just want to reach out on me social media, uh, usually it's Matthew G. Bailey is the handle. So like M-A-T-T-H-E-W-G and then Bailey. Uh, that would be it for Instagram and for Twitter. And then on Facebook would be an Under Live Limitless or Must Do Canada. Very good. So anything else you want to, to add before we say goodbye? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just like more... You know, I, I know I usually one of the biggest things I've seen holding people back is more that confidence factor, I think, or like not 
maybe being afraid of hearing no, things like that. And I, I think it's a maybe we make it out to seem a lot harder than mm-hmm. than it is in in the beginning. But I think you really need to start uh, if it's travel. Maybe start with something smaller if it makes you worried and start doing little activities and just building up your confidence. And you'd be surprised how eventually um, I don't think really anything will hold you back. Great advice. Okay, so thank you very much for being our guest today. It's been uh, really fun and really interesting and stimulating, I think, for, for many people to maybe consider traveling more. So I think our audience will be delighted by by listening to this all right so thanks again and uh, have a nice day yeah you you too take care so there you have it another great interview with a passionate traveler and photographer remember you can find all the links that were mentioned during the interview at ttim.photo forward slash 101 and as for me you can find everything about uh, me online at ucphoto.me And my co-host Ralph, who will be back soon on the show, uh, can be found at photoenrichment.com. Until next time, all the best and take care.